evidence and answers. One of the favorite forms of entertainment for families today are going to the movies. Hollywood is known for both spectacular visual effects and dramatic storylines. Some have great themes, and then many don't. Whatever your opinion of going to the movies is, their stories can be used as teachable moments in sharing your faith with others. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat is providing us with a critique of the movie Silence. This movie is directed by Martin Scorsese and has been given interesting reviews. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here is our host, Pat Zucran, with part two of his critique on the movie Silence. I believe another lesson Endo wants us to learn is that God is not silent, but remains with his people in their suffering and never abandons his people. Throughout church history, Christians have faced brutal persecutions. Even Christ, the Son of God, suffered the most dreadful death on the cross. Therefore, God understands the pain we experience. He grieves at the wickedness of men, and He promises to be with us. And I agree with Endo that God is with us in our suffering. However, I feel this answer alone is simply incomplete. In a Christian's suffering, often a disciple feels the presence of Christ in an even greater way. In the writings of the persecuted saints and in many interviews I have had with Christians who are suffering, Many state they feel the presence of God in greater ways than they had ever known. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, through his sufferings, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So many times in suffering, Christians identify with the sufferings of Christ and seem to sense his presence in greater ways. What I found troubling about the novel and the movie is the gloomy mood of the story. The movie emphasizes the brutal deaths of Christians, the struggles of a fallen priest, and what appears to be the demise and bleak future of Christianity in Japan. And indeed, the Christian history of Japan is sorrowful, and the movie ends in the midst of Japan's persecution. So I can understand Endo's ending. On this earth, life will not always have a happy and glorious ending. But what I find missing in Endo's story is the message of hope that is found in Christ even in suffering. What compels Christians to surrender their life for Christ is the assured hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 states, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There is little joy indeed when focusing primarily on the affairs and outcomes in this fallen world. And if this is where the story ends, it is indeed dark and disheartening. However, through the darkness shines the hope that allowed Christ to have joy even when facing the agony of the cross. Believers can also have joy and hope if they look forward to the glory that awaits every believer in Christ. Despite the suffering believers face, it pales in comparison to the eternal glory that is to come. Persecution teaches Christians 
we are citizens indeed of a heavenly kingdom. Christians can endure and remain joyful even in the midst of their suffering when focused on Christ and the glory of our true home. The end is not the cross of death, but the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of every disciple of Christ. This is important in any story of persecuted Christians. It is emphasized in the New Testament and is the story of Christ and the believer's ultimate triumph. The New Testament prophesies of the future persecution of all believers, but ends with the triumphant resurrection and return of Christ. Through Christ's victory, the Christian story ends ultimately in triumph. The end is not the death of the Christians in Japan, but the glory they receive from Christ in heaven. Their courageous commitment should be an inspiration to believers around the world and an example of what it means to live not for this world, but for the kingdom of heaven. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35 through 40 states, Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The Japanese Christians were living for another kingdom and looking forward to the eternal glory of heaven. This message was not present in the novel or the film, which I believe made it a dark and gloomy story. Although Japanese Christian history is discouraging at times, the end has not been written for Christ Church in the country of Japan. Now another question or challenge that is raised in the novel and in the movie is, can the gospel establish a foothold there in the country of Japan? Can a tree grow in a swamp? And one of the most significant dialogues in the movie occurs between Rodrigues, the last missionary there, and the samurai lord Inoue, also known as the Inquisitor. And Inoue is the man in charge of finding, interrogating, and putting an end to Christianity. And in the dialogue between Inoue and Rodrigues, Inoue states this. He says, A tree which flourishes in one kind of soil may wither if the soil is changed. And for the tree of Christianity, in a foreign country, its leaves may grow thick and the buds may be rich, while in Japan the leaves wither and no bud appears. Father, have you never thought of the differences in the soil, the difference in the water? So Inoue tells Rodrigues that a tree cannot grow in a swamp, and therefore Christianity will not take root in Japan. The tree of the gospel will not grow in the swamp of Japan. Now there is a famous saying, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In other words, persecution strengthens the faith of Christians and the church grows when persecuted. However, this was not the case in Japan. The genocide that took place from 1600 to 1800 was devastating and Christianity has never regained a strong foothold in Japan. Another question Christians struggle with is, why has Christianity then not taken root in Japan? 
today the largest growth of Christianity is occurring throughout Asia. Yet despite this, Christianity continues to struggle in Japan. Now, when Christianity first arrived in Japan in 1549, the Japanese embraced the gospel of Christ. In fact, Xavier, the first missionary there, was so impressed with Japan that he called for only the missionaries of the highest quality to be sent. Xavier wrote back to the Pope, Japan is the only country yet discovered in these regions where there is hope of Christianity permanently taking root. These are the best people so far discovered. And it seems to me that among the unbelievers, no people can be found to excel them. Father Organto, who followed Xavier, wrote that Japan would be Christianized in 30 years, expressing the optimism of missionaries that Christianity would indeed thrive in Japan. And many early Christian missionaries believe Japan would be the gateway for the gospel entering into all of Asia. Well, as I discussed previously, the situation quickly changed and the two centuries of persecution that followed nearly eradicated Christianity from Japan. So that today there's a famous saying among missionaries. It states, Japan is where Christian missionaries go to die. Indeed, many return after years of labor discouraged and disillusioned by the little fruit they see in their years of labor in Japan. Now, there are many reasons given why the gospel has not thrived in this country. But the question we ask ourselves is, can the seed of the gospel penetrate the hard soil of Japanese culture? Well, as unbelievable as this may seem, I believe a spiritual revival will come for Japan. As the gospel flourished 400 years ago, I believe spiritual awakening will come to this nation once again. How it will come, well, only God knows. I believe the Japanese are realizing the emptiness of their secular outlook and lifestyle of materialism and consumerism. Their high suicide rate reflects the emptiness of these ideologies. If you stay in Japan long enough, you can feel the darkness that hangs over the country. There is a despair that comes from a purposelessness and futility of life without God and an eternal hope, especially among the young generation. This sense of despair is called the otaku culture. Now, author Fujimura writes about this, saying this, quote, Otaku culture is a psychological heir of the post-war stoic resignation to rebuild having accomplished the utilitarian, monotonous rebuilding, many Japanese now suffer from lack of purpose and identity. Having lost in the rebuilding process their own cultural heritage and beauty, youth now have become aimless. They saw their parents' generation work so hard to prosper, but the meaninglessness of life, even with the material prosperity, eats away at their souls. Otaku culture captures some of the darkness of our times. And as I have been to Japan and have observed and grown up in the culture, I've come to learn Japanese Buddhism and Shinto fail to answer the great questions of life and fail to fill the void in the heart of all people. They do not answer the great questions we all ask. Why are we here? Why is the universe here? 
What happens after death? What is the meaning and purpose of my life? They provide no answer to what is God like and how can I be forgiven of my sin and establish a relationship with the one who created the universe. And since these religions are also largely built on myths, they are not based on reality. So they cannot provide the answer of eternal hope and meaning that I believe only the gospel of Christ can present. As in the days of Xavier, he realized the Japanese religions did not answer the big questions of life, the origin of the universe, the nature of God, the origin of evil, the answer to the problem of evil. What happens after death? How can I find forgiveness of my sins? The ideologies that dominate Japan still fail to adequately address and answer these questions. Japan is now largely a secular country. And if God does not exist, as all great philosophers have come to discover, if God does not exist, then ultimately life is meaningless. Life is without meaning, with significance, and without hope. And I believe the Japanese are beginning to understand that. Although they are one of the most technologically advanced and they are some of the most educated people and materially prosperous that cannot fill the void that only God can fulfill. As Xavier, the first missionary to Japan, demonstrated, Christianity provides the best answer to the great questions of life. And so the church in Japan must do the same. Christianity has the evidence to uphold its claim to truth and life everlasting in Jesus Christ. So I believe that Christian apologetics would do well in this country that is very rational and the people are very well educated. The message of the gospel provides the true message of hope for this nation. And I hope that message and the lives of the Japanese Christian martyrs will one day be recognized and remembered by the people of Japan. And if the Christians of Japan would live as dedicated disciples of Christ, would carry their cross and follow him as their forefathers did 400 years ago, I believe there will be a spiritual awakening in Japan and the gospel can indeed set foot and prosper once again in Japan. Now, the movie Silence is based on the historical fictional novel by Shusaku Endo called Silence. And once again, it's historical fiction, but it portrays the persecution that occurred in Japan and the fierce persecution that took place during 16 to 1800. But it's not completely fiction. There is some historical fact intertwined in there. The last missionary to Japan was not Rodriguez, it was a man named Mancio. And Mancio was captured, but he did not apostatize or turn away from his faith. Mancio died a martyr, not renouncing his faith in Christ. As for Father Ferreira, there was a historical Portuguese priest named Father Ferreira. In 1609, he arrived in Japan. And in 1633, so about 24 years later after serving there, he was captured and tortured. And it is believed that he renounced his faith after five hours of torture. And he became the most 
famous fallen priest and changed his name to Sawano Chuan. So that part has some historical accuracy to that. He registered at a Buddhist temple in accordance with Japanese law and called himself a member of the Zen sect. And after his apostasy, he married a Japanese woman and wrote several books, including treaties on Western astronomy and medicine, which became widely distributed in the Edo period. It is also believed that he participated in government trials of other captured Jesuit Christians. And he was often present during the use of the fumier, the plaque, upon which suspected Christians were ordered to trample on the image of Christ. He died in Nagasaki in 1650, and just before his death, he supposedly recanted and was tortured and died as a martyr for Christ. So that's the history we know of this man, Ferreira, who was the priest that Rodrigues and Garpe went in search of. So that's a little bit of the history behind the movie, behind some of these figures here. Well, Scorsese's film is one of the few films about the little-known Christian history of Japan. Even many of the Japanese are not aware of the tremendous Christian history of their nation. So we should be thankful for Endo for writing that novel and thankful for Scorsese for taking an interest and for showing the brutal persecution and the suffering that was endured by the Christians of Japan. Endo and Scorsese reveal to us the heinous tortures, but they also take us into the mental torture that those suffering persecution go through. The struggles of the priests and the questions they ask are the same questions we all struggle with in our journey of faith. Endo and Scorsese present a unique perspective looking through the eyes of one who apostatizes and yet seeks and possibly finds grace and forgiveness through it all. Well, it is my hope that Christians throughout the world gain a greater awareness of one of the greatest massacres of Christians that took place in church history. And I also hope that people will appreciate and admire the courage and commitment of the Japanese Christians who endured so much and gave their lives for Christ. It is unfortunate that the Japanese hide this part of their history in the Japanese culture where there are events or incidences that are shameful. They tend to hide that away. And you'll notice that when you go to Japan, even in their history books, there's almost nothing in there of what occurred between 1940 and 1945 in places like Manchuria, Korea, Philippines, and in Southeast Asia. And so many grow up not knowing of the atrocities that were committed at one time in past Japanese history. And the same is true when it comes to the treatment and the massacre of Christians that occurred nearly 400 years ago. And perhaps that is part of the veil that causes the spiritual blindness of the Japanese people. They are wonderful people. They are some of the most courteous and thoughtful people that you will ever meet. That's why our group enjoys the Japan Martyr Tour so much. But perhaps the veil that covers their eyes is the fact that when you try to share Christ with many other Japanese and tell them that we are sinners 
in need of a savior, it's hard for them to wrap their mind around that because growing up, they're taught that they're good people. And indeed, they are really, really good, honest people. But we are all sinners. We fall short of God's perfect law. And many Japanese that we share with say, no, we're good people. You know, you Christians emphasize the failure and sinfulness of men. We look at the goodness of men and we are good people. And to many times in a dialogue, to our surprise, we'll often hear them say we are the most peaceful nation in the world. And often when you look at, you know, it catches us by surprise. But then when you say, do you know what happened during the great Christian persecution of 16 to 1800? Many don't know what happened. And when you ask them about, well, did you know what happened during World War II and all the atrocities that were committed in Asia? Many don't know or have a revisionist, revised kind of history here and aren't aware of that. And so perhaps this idea that they are indeed good people because they don't hear of the failures of their past history perhaps blinds them to seeing that they are indeed sinners in need, in great need of a Savior as all of us are. And perhaps that is rooted in pride and that keeps the veil of darkness over the people of Japan. I personally believe that if the leaders of Japan would, like the Germans have done, openly admit and apologize for the atrocities that were committed during the war, I believe there would be a national humbling that would come upon the nation and perhaps a softening of the hearts of the people to understand we are indeed sinners and indeed need a Savior, Jesus Christ. So this part of Japanese history is unfortunately hidden in the history of Japan and few Japanese know of this tremendous Christian history of Japan. In fact, that's one of the reasons we started the tour is because so many Christians were unaware that indeed Japan has a great and noble and wonderful Christian history and they were models of men and women who died living out the call to discipleship that Christ called us to. So the story of the men, women and children who gave their lives for Christ, it's moving and inspirational. And I believe the Japanese and the world should recognize this facet of Japanese history and recognize it someday. And as Christians, we can admire the courage of the Japanese Christians who truly lived out the call of discipleship as Jesus commanded. In Matthew 10 verses 37 through 39, Jesus said this, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And few have lived out the commands of Christ so faithfully and courageously as the Christians of Japan. And I hope that more will recognize and remember the Christian testimony of the Japanese who gave their lives for the gospel of Christ. So as the movie is playing in theaters or later as it comes out on DVD, I hope you'll take time to look at the movie and wrestle with the themes that are being taught there. Think about the great sacrifice made by the Japanese Christians and how would you respond if you were there watching your family and your children being tortured for the sake of Christ? Would you trample on the plaque? 
What would you do? Great questions to wrestle with. This is one movie that I can recommend. So I hope you go see it and enjoy your time at the movies. It's Pat Zucaran with Evidence and Answers. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again here on Evidence and Answers. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be of great value to you, would you please consider partnering with us? Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share this website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Oh, 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 oh,